Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church. Welcome to another Thursday evening teaching and happy Australia Day. What a great day for our country, the birth of our nation. Praise the Lord, we get to celebrate it. Whether we, whether we like it or not, we get to celebrate this great country. You know, this is the great south land of the Holy Spirit and it was prophesied that the next great move of God would take place here. This is where it would start. So praise the Lord for that. Join me now in the Lord's Prayer. In fact, you know what? If you're looking for a new church family, why don't you come and join us? We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. We'd love to see you there. We're a friendly church. We preach the word of the Lord. And you know what? That's all you really should be looking for if you're looking for a new church family. Join me now in the Lord's Prayer. We pray this every time we meet because when the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, this was his response. He said, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You know, every believer needs to know what the Bible says about spiritual issues, which means some of us need to open our Bibles up. And for the next three months, what the Bible says will be the theme of our Thursday evening messages. And today's message is titled, What the Bible Says About the Three Stages of Man. The text we're concentrating on is Romans 7, 6. If you've got your Bible, open it up. Let's read it together. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but you can read from whichever version you prefer. It says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Amen to that. The scripture we're actually going to work through is Romans 7. Now, I know it's a lot of scripture, but we're a Bible-believing church, so let's read it together. It talks about being freed from the law. So Romans 7, 1. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, which I don't suggest doing, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. We're in verse 4 now. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Notice Paul keeps saying brethren. He's actually talking to believers. He's not talking to the world here. Verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Verse 6, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And it talks about sin's advantage in the law. Verse 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Let me say that bit again. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, 
I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. See, we need the Old Testament here, people. Verse 8, but sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Verse 10, and the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. <laughs> Verse 11, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. And by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy. And the commandment holy and just and good. Then from verse 13 it talks about law cannot save from sin. Verse 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin. Sin is still sin, people was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will do that I do not practice, but what I hate, I do. If then... We're in verse 16 now. I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that it is good. Notice that, that we, we actually want to do what's right, but we're still sinful creatures. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. We're all sinners. We may be saved, but we're still fleshy creatures. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh... Nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. So what Paul's saying is he wants to do good, he's willing to do good, but he can't find it inside him to do it. Verse 19, for the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I, want, I will not do, I practice. Now if I do what I will do not, do, this is a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? It is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man! that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. He's talking about each and every one of us there, church. In our mind, we serve the Lord, but our, our flesh still wants to serve the sin. The law of sin. Let's pray together. Let's, let's pray for our offering this week. Father, we come to you today because you made us. You redeemed us, Lord, and we acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes from your bountiful hands. Lord, make us good stewards of what you've given us. By your grace, 
we've been brought with a price and therefore we desire to glorify you, Lord. Receive from our hands and our hearts these gifts today. Bless them and use them to your glory, Lord. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray this evening. Amen. Amen. We serve a big God. We're going to start having a big faith church. In Romans 7, Paul described humans as being either natural, carnal, or spiritual. The natural man is the unsaved person who can rise no higher than his intellect or his moral or volition powers can lift him. The carnal man is a saved man who is still dominated at least partially by the power of sin and lives under the control of the old nature of Adam within him. And the spiritual man is the believer whose life is controlled by the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at each one of those this evening, but which one are you? Two of them aren't too good. One of them we should be working towards. So which one are you this evening? The first one we're going to look at is the spiritual man. Paul said first that the spiritual man shows that he is delivered from the law. Paul illustrates this with the marriage relationship, showing the validity of claims of the law until the time of death. How is this fact that the power of the law ends at death revealed in the life of a spiritual man? Let's look at that. He's no longer trying for victory any more than he is trying to be saved. The spiritual Christian has discovered a more interesting way to victory in his life. Because of his identification with Christ, in his death, the claims of the law are broken. The spiritual man has also discovered a more thorough way to victory. The failure of the flesh is no longer overpowering him. Paul explained that when we were natural beings, the law ignited those sinful passions within us. It told us what sin is without giving us the power to overcome it. The Living Bible translates verse 6 as this. And now you can really serve God, not in the old way, mechanically obeying a set of rules, but in a new way, with all your hearts and minds. Isn't that a good way to describe what we should be doing? Second thing this evening is we're going to look at the natural man. In these verses, Paul explained that is the spiritual man delivered from the law and the natural man is doomed by the law. As a natural man, Paul discovered that the law of God exposes the hidden nature of sin in his life. And the law does this in two ways. First, it showed him his sinful nature. Many of us got saved because of that, didn't we? We realized that we were sinners and we needed more. We knew that there was more out there. Paul saw because of the law a hideous character of what, he, what it, he was without God in his life. The second, the law attracted and activated his sinful nature. Paul was not saying that before the, sorry, Paul was saying before the law was instituted, there was freedom from an accusing conscience, a kind of false peace brought about by his ignorance of sin. That's why so many people don't want to know about Jesus, because their sin and their conscience may be irritated a little bit, may be confronted by the truth. The coming of the law changed all of that. Its straight edge revealed the crookedness of Paul's human nature. 
The law of God also shows us the seriousness of sin. All sin is against God. Thus it demands eternal damnation and condemnation. There are at least 15 Hebrew words in the Old Testament for sin. And they cover the entire spectrum of all possible kinds of wrong attitudes toward and actions against God and others. And the Greek New Testament has almost as many words to cover the various kinds of sin as well. When you consider all of these words for sin, you have an idea of what God thinks about sin in all of its forms. You know, the law cannot save. Salvation alone is the glorious prerogative of God's incomparable grace. Paul, as a sinner, found that even his best efforts to win salvation were to no avail. The law that stood before him was holy and just and good. It was an uncrossable barrier for him. The best moral effects he could muster shriveled up and died under the unrelenting searchlight of God's perfect law. Third thing, the carnal man. If the spiritual man is delivered from the law by the grace of God, and the natural man is doomed by the law for this, by the same token, the carnal man is actually defeated by the law. Between what the law demands and what the flesh can produce, there's a great gulf, isn't there? It's a massive gap. The temptation of the carnal man, the saved but defeated Christian, and there's many of them sitting in our churches today, they say they're saved but they're defeated, is continually to revert to human effort and good works as a means of meriting God's approval. That's the path they always take. The word carnal describes then a Christian who, though saved, is still in bondage to the power of the flesh. In verses 15 to 17, Paul shows us the conflict of potentialities that exist in the carnal Christian. There is a clash within the carnal man because of the old Adamic, Adamic nature and the new Christ-like nature existing side by side. It doesn't work. The Living Bible says it this way, I know that I am rotten through and through. So far as my old sinful nature is concerned, no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. Does that describe you? Paul described the conflict within himself as being so intense that he was almost pulled apart at times. Have you experienced that? The answer lies only in daily submission to the Holy Spirit. As we finish up this evening, in the last verses of Romans 7, Paul asked, Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then that with the mind I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Wow, that can describe each and every one of us, can't it? Let me encourage you, as I do every time we meet, to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And if you allow Him, He'll make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God. You know that already. 
but you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. We're believing this year, 2023, is a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. So all those things that have been taken from you, let me encourage you to get closer to God. Start following his commandments. Start doing what he says and watch them start coming back to you. And until next time, stay in the blessing.